The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Jackie Fernandez. And this is Rev. Jackie, and I am so excited to be here today. We are having just a little bit of tech problems, and I know that Mercury is in retrograde, and I'm seeing it all over the place. I'm just so grateful for Lewis, our engineer, for staying calm, cool, and collected and getting us here on the air for Voices of Unity as we close out Pride Month. I have a very special guest, Reverend Evan Wilkins. Welcome to the show, Evan. Thank you so much, Jackie. I feel both honored and blessed to be here today. Oh, thank you so much for saying yes to to this important show. And, you know, um, I will introduce you in just a minute to our listeners, but I always like to share with people why I am and make the invitation to a particular guest. And I will say that Evan is a contributor to the Worthy Booklet, which is an LGBTQ booklet um, that includes stories of overcoming rejection and religion to find truth. And this booklet is published by Unity and was just published in time for Pride Month and includes many wonderful stories. And Evan, yours, you know, it just grabbed my heart. And so I'm like, okay, we need to get this guy on the show. <laughs> You're a hey, great you know, writer. It's good to know. It's good to yeah. know that it, my writing is, you know, it's kind of getting out there, and that, you know, it, it. The main thing is to me, you know, is being authentic and and from the heart when I when I write. So I'm I'm very grateful and you know glad to hear that it that it reached you the way that it did. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know, you know, many of our team members, I work in the department that um, produced the booklet, and I know our copy editors and designers just love this entire piece, and our the copy, copy editing manager um, said that this is his favorite book that Unity has published since he's been here, which is remarkable, because we have a lot of good booklets out there. Um, so, so you know, I, I just want you to hear that, that even the people who are work, you know, produce the, the work were just so appreciative of the depth of heart that went into this great, great piece of work. So if you're listening, I want you to go to unity.org and search booklet, or you can search worthy booklet, and you can order one for free from the website. And you can also get a digital download. So I'll put a plug in for that because the stories in this booklet are tremendous and very supportive to anyone in the community or or any ally who wants to understand the, the stories um, even more deeply. So there's that. All right, Rev. Ev. I just keep wanting to say Ev, but Rev. Evan. <laughs> Don't worry. Wilkins. That nickname Rev. Ev has stuck. <laughs> yeah, it's stuck, so it's okay. <laughs> Rev. Ev, right? Or just if you just kind of slur it to get a Rev, if you get both of them in there. <laughs> And then Wilkins is the senior minister at Unity of Madison, and, and of course in Madison, Wisconsin. Also a freelance writer, no surprise there if you read this article, no surprise. Freelance for the Huffington Post, Medium, and of course Unity Publications. Evan feels called to share messages of faith, hope, inspiration, and love with those in which he shares this spiritual journey. Evan also brings his many years of corporate experience into the world of church as a consultant, helping to shift focus onto the modern church. Yes where he empowers churches with the tools and knowledge needed to evolve as technology and the world also evolve. All right. I'm loving it. Speaking my language. <laughs> <laughs> so what what would you say? This is, you know, pop quiz here. I didn't really give you like a list of questions that I'd be asking. And pro tip, I don't have a list. <laughs> So we're just wait. You know, is there going to be a, I, is there going to be a grade, Jackie? Is there going to be a quiz? there's no grade? Not that kind of quiz. Not that kind of quiz. Just you know, <laughs> I just make you know as I think of things about you and your life and your story to ask as it comes to mind, it, it, as it pops into my mind, I will ask the question. <laughs> sure. I will try to create you know a through line here, and of course you know you will help guide this conversation. But just having read this bio. You know, my, what comes to mind, you know, when thinking about the modern church and empowering churches with the tools 
to evolve and technology and the world also evolve, what would you say is like what's at your heart center about that? What's your like if you could equip every church with one tool to make this shift into modern church, what would it be? You know, I think the the main tool, you know, you might be surprised to hear because I think a lot of people think technology, which is very important for the modern church. But I think one focus that, you know, some churches, you know, really aren't thinking about, you know, because we talk about how can we get people through the door? How is it that, you know, we can we can start to fill our seats, you know? And I think that, you know, one of the main focuses, the focus kind of needs to shift and it's outward. Instead, it should be, you know, what can we do to serve our community? How is it that we can grow the church outward versus inward? Even if those people never come and sit in the seats of the church or never enter our church building, does it mean that they're any less a part of the church if they're active as a part of the church in the community? Oh, I love that. You know, you're talking about making connections. And and I think, you know, it's so important to consider that that church growth can be measured in so many different ways, not just by the numbers of rears in the seats, you know, it, it can be measured by the impact that a church is making on the community and how, how the church is known, who the church is known to be in the community. So I love that you're bringing that, that into the conversation. Exactly, yes. Yeah, you know, it's, um, you know, I think sometimes as unity, especially, you know, I grew up more, I grew up Baptist, and, you know, sometimes we think, oh, no, you know, we're unity, we're not going to go evangelize, but, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. It's, you know, finding those community spiritual needs out there and thinking about how we can, you know, meet those community needs with unity or spiritual principles, you know, because really that's what it's all about. It's sharing these wonderful tools and principles with other people outside of our walls. I love it. I love it. And unity teachings are so, I think everybody should have, you know, have it. Um, and, and not that I believe everyone should practice unity teachings in terms of uh, of being a, a, form, a dogma or a form of religion, but they're so universal that they can be folded into and are folded into any particular religious experience or spiritual practice. Um, but at the core is, you know, the ideas of oneness and wholeness, and that just that is universal. And and so why wouldn't we proselytize that, right? Why wouldn't we evangelize mm-hmm. that in in a way that affirms the sacred worth of all people, and not like you need to stop being who you are and be who we are. But here are some spiritual tools that that can work for you, and and then you get to go figure out how to make those tools work for you. Exactly. Yeah, we're empowered, you know. We go within and we we use them in the way that we're led to use them and the way we feel called to use them. So at 100%, yes. I love it. So turning outward instead of inward, I love it. Great. Thank you. You have have passed on to the second second question of this pop quiz. No, I love it. Here's what I want to do because I've mentioned, you know, what you wrote here. For the booklet, and I would like to just read a little bit of it, and let's just get into your story. Is that all right? Sure. That okay, sounds good. So awesome. The title of this article is The Day She Disappeared. She walked through the doors of her job for the last time on that cool, breezy autumn day. The sun peaked just above the horizon, and birds chirped their songs of greeting like a welcoming party for anyone walking across the newly paved asphalt parking lot. Coworkers cheerily greeted her, same as every other morning, and she waved in return. She made her way to her desk, going through the motions of booting up her computer and adjusting her chair, same as she always did. Today, however, was different. Today was the day everything would change. She knew something that others in the office did not know. She was going to disappear. The person her coworkers had come to know during the past two years would walk out that day, never to return. The two women who shared her workspace had invited her to lunch. Lunch with the ladies had been on her calendar for a week now. The conversations were certain to include husbands, kids' soccer games, and daycare. She could seldom relate to it, yet the lunches seemed to be an unspoken obligation. It was understood at the office that women went to lunch with women and men with men. Who wished to be the odd man out? She supposed she liked the women well enough, but that really wasn't the point. They had no knowledge of her impending disappearance. With an hour left in her workday, she returned to her desk to find an email summoning her to an appointment in the Human Resources Department just as she had planned. That email was about to help 
change her life. The time had arrived. Heart racing, palms sweating, she knocked on HR's door and entered. It was then, by changing her name in the official personnel records, that she officially disappeared. Whew. That's good. I mean, that's good writing. <laughs> that's good writing. <laughs> I'm in the story. And, you know, cliffhanger. So um, those of you listening now or in the future, just go get this booklet. Get your hands on this booklet. But also, um, talk to us about this. You know, I I will say that that job, you know, I'm a veteran. I, I served four years in the, the Air Force. So it, this job, this company that I was working for at that time was you know, a company and we contracted with, with not only United States or branches of the United States military, but branches of military all over the world. So as a result, I worked with a lot of, of veterans, you know, and a huge bulk of those were Marines. And it was just trying to figure out how to navigate this while on that job was, it was such a lesson for me, you know, in patience and, you know, one of the things was I learned so much because I remember after the cat was out of the bag, so to speak, I had one of the roughest, most tough Marines, retired Marines come up to me and he told me, you know, he looked me in the eye and he tells me, he's like, you know, you're one of the bravest, bravest men I've ever met. And it just, it just opened my eyes to, you know, the goodness of people and I think oftentimes, you know, especially as a, a transgender person, when you're very early on or you're just starting this process to navigate, you know, you think to yourself, you hear all these these horror stories about how, you know, you just violence and, you know, just being no longer being, you know, having the same friends you had and things like that, losing your job and, you know, this this type of situation, what I went through was just, it opened my eyes so much to the goodness of people. And, you know, to just know when you're your authentic self, you know, there may be, there's going to be bumps in the road, but, you know, at the end of the day, the people that really care about you, they're really going to shine out, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so it, it, know, it was a process. <laughs> sure, sure. It's a process. And, you know, people, <clears throat> oh, we are operating in real time and oftentimes, you know, it's a factor. People need time to adjust to change, people are resistant to change, um, and, you know, sometimes fear of the unknown comes into play, and, you know, and I don't know, you know, what kind of factors were prevalent for you, but uh, I so appreciate you you bringing forward that the people who love you have an opportunity to shine, and so often, whenever we hold any kind of um, experience or part of ourselves, you know, is secret or... Um, maybe held in shame or maybe, I don't know how else to say it. Um, you use the word authentic. So, so I'll say the opposite. So being, you know, inauthentic, that we deprive people who love us an opportunity to, to shine in that way and to really be a champion and and a light for love and what it means to love unconditionally. Mm, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny, too. I, I kind of joked afterwards, you know, once it was said and done, I was like, you know, I think I might, might have waited a little too long to tell people at that job because I had already gone through a legal name change. And, uh, you know, people are thinking, like, you know, what's going on here? Um, so anyway, when the time finally came, you know, at this point, I'm already starting to grow a little bit of facial hair. Mm-hmm. I was very nervous to start make the transition to the men's room and things like that. So, sure. you know, occasionally I would still go in the women's room. And I remember a new woman looked at me. She goes, am I in the wrong restroom? And I was like, oh. okay, you know, now might be the time for me to let her know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> File that under clues. <laughs> it's time to step a little <laughs> further out into authenticity. Wow. So, so share with us that, that journey for that the internal piece. Before you were sharing it with the world, what, what was that internal process for you um, coming to the decision to make a physical transition? Well, you know, looking back, I realized I had always known, even as a child, I just didn't know there was a name for it. You know, I never felt female. I knew inside that was not who I was. And, you know, I remember several years ago, you know, I had, 
I also had been attracted to to women and girls, so I knew that I was at least lesbian. So, you know, I had already come out as lesbian. And I remember getting involved in, in some, you know, lesbian groups, and there was this one group that I happened to fall in one day, and it, it happened to be trans men. And I was like, you know, what is this? And I remember looking, and some of them started talking about how, you know, they'd started testosterone and started this physical transformation, and I saw pictures of them. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I started reading some of their stories and talking to some of them. I was like, that is me. You know, so I felt this this desire to actually transition for many years. But, you know, then there was the whole piece of, you know, I was very entrenched in the, the lesbian community. And I started thinking, you know, I'm like, how is that going to be received in the lesbian community? And I'm go- am I going to lose this community that I'm so familiar with and I'm so enmeshed with? You know, mm-hmm. and how is my family going to take this? I come from a very conservative family. You know, so it was all of those pieces, you know, jobs. I've been a veteran. I'm like, you know, I'm going to have these veteran records that are still in my previous name and gender. And there's just all that stuff that starts going through your mind to navigate you know, and I did put it off for longer than I should have because I was afraid. I was afraid that I would never find any, you know, a, a partner, a spouse. You know, I was afraid at times. I remember telling my mother, you know, I'm, I'm afraid I'm just going to be looked at as a hybrid of some kind. Right. You know, so there was a lot of internal struggle that came with it. And so you just mentioned talking to your mother. Is that That's what you yes, said? Yes. Yeah. Well, I talked to my mother after. I remember it okay. was kind of kind of in that that early on in the transition where you're really kind of, you know, people look at you and they're like, huh. You know, I remember having people ask me sometimes, are you a man or a woman? Because you hit that weird space, you know, after you start hormones Mm -hmm. waiting to kind of cross over that threshold, so to speak. And I remember telling my mother at the time, I'm like, I just kind of feel like a hybrid, you know. I People look at me and they're, you know, you can tell they're puzzled, like, you know, who are you, you know. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, um, you know, I meant to ask this at the beginning. Um, your your pronouns are he and him. Yes, correct. Yes, yeah. And yeah. Um, so, what? Because that's you know, becoming more mainstream for people to present their pronouns um, in in order to support the LGBTQ community and people who choose to be non-binary and you know, might want either or they them. And um, so, talk to me about. Your in relation to your story and the internal piece as you started um, making that transition, when did you do things like the markers, like change your pronouns or change your name or things like that? I, you know, my my pronouns, I changed those very quickly on. Right when I decided I was going to do this, I, you know, I was like, I have to get used to this. And, you know, the people around me need, need time to get used to this. And obviously, you know, it helped to have the people around you using your preferred pronouns because as you met new people, you wanted them to hear the correct pronouns and refer to right. you, you know, in, in that way. So that was, that, that you know, was almost like a light switch overnight. I was like, you know, this, I sent out a letter to my friends. I was like, this is what my, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is the pronouns I prefer. So that was really early on. Um the name took a little bit of time because I really had to decide what I wanted that to be. You know, all of these names. Well, I imagine there's something to that, right? We we don't get to choose our own name, but for the most part, our, our parents choose our name, right? And so what yeah. a process that would be to, like, choose your name. It was fun. You know, I happened, and how mine hit me, it wasn't something I had ever thought about. I was just going down the road one day, and it just came to me. I was like, that's what my name is going to be. And I chose a unique spelling just because my mother's always been one. She's always liked unique spelling. So I was like, you know, I'm going to kind of do what she would have done, and I'm going to spell it a little differently. So <laughs> that's I love what it. I did. But, yeah, that happened probably legally about, uh, I would say, about four months into the into the process of the once I started the physical transition, which what I say by that, I mean once I started testosterone, it was about mm-hmm. four months into that that I went ahead and, and went through the legal name change process. Okay. And so, um, I mean, I'm just 
so curious of, you know, like, like that internal process where it meets our external because, like, everyone can relate to that in any kind of life change. You know, we often make a decision, whether it's a decision to follow a career path or an educational path or a relationship or any kind of decision, you know, and, and of course, the bigger ones, you know, what faith tradition are we going to follow? What gender expression are we going to have? What, you know, sexual orientation are we going to um you know, live whatever's happening internally to that external point. And so I just think that that piece of the story is so relevant to anyone who might be having some of those same fears you talked about. How will my friends accept me? How will my family accept me? Will I find someone to love? Will I find a life partner, you know, after I step into this more authentic way of being? And um, so, you know, the pieces that you're talking about sort of stepping through the external markers you know, I'm curious about, you know, you said you, you felt like it's something that you always knew and, you know, that you found yourself sort of in the stories of others. Mm-hmm. And what, what did it feel like in terms of identity shift for you? Did you feel an identity shift or did you feel more of that becoming? I felt more of a becoming because to me the world was finally seeing me as I had always felt inside. The outside and the inside really both simultaneously played a huge piece of it because, you know, I had always felt this way inside. I'd always known that I was male, even if I couldn't put the, the you know, quite put my finger on it to define mm-hmm. it at that time. You know, I knew that that's who I was. And when the the world finally started seeing my physical appearance match up with that, it was just, it was wow. It was a freedom unlike anything I have ever yeah. felt and can probably ever describe. That's beautiful and I can't imagine that you felt seen for the first time. Yes, very much so. It's just, you know, finally, you know, people are interacting with me, you know, in the way that I had always wanted to be interacted with and it just, yeah, I mean, it was just such a shift for me. I think, you know, internally I think was probably you know, it wasn't probably as difficult for me as what some would say, you know, it was for them. You know, it's just once mm-hmm. I made the decision to do this and was able to the point where I could physically do this, it was just full speed ahead for me. I was like, mm-hmm. there is no stopping this train. That's beautiful. Like sort of an, an unleashing, right, of that stepping forward. And I think we all, you know, we all have that desire once we know that there's, an authentic piece of ourselves that that needs to be unleashed or expressed, but there there becomes this you know intense desire to go in that direction, right? The the entire body, soul, mind, being of yourself wants to move in that direction, and it sounds like you had support from your family, and I don't know if that came in over time or in bits and pieces as, as time went on, but did you find did you find support from your family from the beginning? I, I, I still kind of laugh, you know, to myself and with my family just because, you know, they, they are so conservative, especially my father. And, you know, I had come out to them as lesbian, you know, many years before. And that was probably actually more difficult than when I came out as transgender, to be honest. You know, they I think at that point they were like, OK, nothing's going to surprise us anymore. But, uh-huh. you know, my father, I, you know, I, I want to give him a lot of credit because he you know, I, I was like, I don't think he's ever going to be okay with this. I don't think he's going to deal well with this. And he has been wonderful. I mean, you know, does he still even years later get my pronouns correct 100% of the time? No. But just the times that he does, it's just, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I just, uh-huh. You know, his support in that way has just been, it's been amazing. I imagine that's uh, sort of music to your ears when you hear that from him. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 doing really well. He's you know he's he's had you know I think this has been definitely a, a opportunity for him to learn too. So it's it's been really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And your circle of friends. Yeah, they you know. I talk about, you know, the lesbian circles I had that turned out to be unwarranted because they completely supported me and, you know, Mm. along the transition and would even defend me many times if we, Uh you know, to the point where I wasn't quite passing. I don't like the term passing, but that's what a lot of transgender people use, um, you know, 
so until I was fully passing 100% as male in public, they would jump to my defense if someone misgendered me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've still got that circle of friends today. And, you know, it's expanded a lot, obviously, since that sure. time. But, you know, I, I didn't lose any friends over the transition. So I was I feel really fortunate in a lot of ways. Wow, that's beautiful. And, you know, to be able to, like you said, give people who love you already a chance to shine in and through that. Would we all have that that story to tell them? Um, that music means that it's time for our break. And so we are going to take a break, and then we will be back with the wonderful Reverend, Reverend Evan Wilkins. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez. All right, and we are back with Reverend Evan Wilkins, and we're talking about worthiness and closing out Pride Month. And so, Evan, in the before the break, I asked you about your family, if you had that support, because you indicated that you were, you know, uncertain if you would get support from your family, from your friends. And then the other thing you talked about was wondering if you would find a partner, if you would find love. So, so give us give us the scoop on that. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I am married to a, a wonderful woman that I met, um, you know, well on after my transition. And, uh, you know, it was, it's interesting because I had found my first unity church and started to go and, you know, I realized that it was a place I really wanted to be. So I took the new membership class and lo and behold, there was my wife, you know, my future <laughs> wife sitting in the class. So it, it worked out wonderfully. You know, we, we both, you know, just, all I can say is if there are any transgender people listening to this and you fear you're not going to find love, please just throw that feeling to the side because oh. it is just absolutely unwarranted. He's been wonderful and definitely my biggest support. So love I love that. I love that. And right there in the unity membership class. Yes. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> and so you were joining the unity church. This was your first, was this your first experience in unity? It was. Yeah. Yeah. For both of us. Yeah. Yeah. It was our first one. And uh, we, uh, yeah, we became uh, the, the minister's wife is actually the one that taught our class. And she said, Oh, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm your mother. You met. And so it it was really cool. I love it. Yeah. Unity is really special to us partially because of that too, you know, so. Yeah. So take us from your corporate life working with military contracts to senior minister at Unity of Madison. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, for me, corporate America was, it was always kind of like the shoe that just didn't fit. Mm. I knew there was something else that I was supposed to be doing. I didn't know what it was. If you had asked me even six years ago, if I would be standing in front of people talking, I would look at you like you were crazy. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, there was a part of me that had always felt really drawn to church work. And growing up Baptist, I knew that that wasn't where I wanted to do that because those teachings just didn't resonate with me any longer. So, you know, there was that, okay, I kind of want to do this church work, but I don't know how that's going to evolve. I want to do something in this spiritual realm. So I just remained open. And what I, I think my story is like so many others that have found unity I was invited by friends. I walked in and that first day I knew, I remember looking yeah. around, sitting in the sanctuary and I was like, this is where it's going to happen. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is a common story of people walking into unity and just feeling home, mm-hmm. feeling at home. It's such, mm-hmm. you know, such a wonderful open <sighs> spiritual community and it's a respite, especially, you know, and I think the worthy booklet, you know, being titled stories of overcoming rejection and religion to find truth um, there has been such an experience of oppression by the LGBTQ community when it comes to religion and spiritual experience that um, there is some work, often some work to do to overcome that. And, you know, and, and it just can't be 
that can't be overstated, you know, and even often to the extent of abuse, you know, religious abuse. And, you know, and I'm thinking of the camps, you know, you know, pray away the gay and people being forced. I mean, it just uh, breaks my heart that that religion can be weaponized like that against people, against the souls of people and the heart and the well-being of people. That certainly is not what our master teacher Jesus stood for. So, you know, it's, it's something I never take for granted, having a spiritual community that is so open, loving and affirming of the sacred worth of all people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My first church, Unity Church of the Hills in Austin. Um, I remember the first day I worked in, they actually had people out in the foyer that were wearing pride, uh, little mm-hmm. pride flags on their, mm-hmm. their name badges. And mm-hmm. they were like, yeah, this is part of our rainbow ministry. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Okay. This church, I'm never walking back out again. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. <laughs> like this, like this happens. What? In the spiritual community. And it just, you know, that then, then you get to, you get to do with the other part of that, that title of the worthy booklet is find truth. Then you get to really, um, experience what it means to be a spiritual being and a sacred being. And, and it's just wonderful. So how long were you in unity before you decided to, um, become a minister to get ordained and follow that path? Uh, I was in unity for probably, I want to say about two years before I was initially, I had decided, you know, I was like, I don't know how feasible it's going to be for me to pack my bags and go to Unity Village for, for a few years. So I was like, you know, I'll take the LUT path. So that mm-hmm. was kind of what I initially started on. And then I I say I stumbled up on, but, you know, we know there are no stumbling right. up on accidents. Right. But I happened to find out about the uh, urban school, the Unity Urban School. Yeah. And I was like, this is it right here. You know, it's online. There's work I can do in the church. There's an internship. This is the this is the route that I'm going to take. That's beautiful. And so, w- when did you graduate? When were you ordained? I was ordained last year, uh, 2019. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Okay. Well, I was probably there. But you, so that that was part of the um, the ordination ceremony was together at Unity Village, right? The Urban School and Unity Worldwide Spiritual Institute. It was, yep. They had everybody filled licensing. I think everybody was there. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Ah, such great, such a great thing. And we just we did it online this year, just a couple weeks ago, Um, which of course was beautiful and sacred in its own way. Um, But also, of course, there was a part of me that just. Well, I wish everyone could be here. It's, you know, such a, a wonderful time. And and those of us at the village missed having, you know, having all of you, all of the students in, in New Orleans, you know, on campus. So beautiful experience. And um and that, you know, that path to ministry. So you got a new gig, right? <laughs> it's a whole that's a whole new world from corporate America <laughs> working with, you know, military contracts to you know, full-time ministry. And, um, and I, we kind of started at the beginning talking about, you know, what, what's at the heart for you of, of the evolving church, you know, today for the modern world. And, and you talked about, you know, that outward um, search rather than navel gazing or searching inward, but connecting outward and in, into the communities and stuff. I wonder what else you're bringing from the corporate world to ministry. Yeah, you know, it's, gosh, as much as I begrudged the corporate world when I was working there, I, you know, I'm able to actually see now where some of that stuff ties in together. I um, had done technical writing for many years in the corporate world and, you know, instructional design and things like that. And it's kind of funny because I will, some, you know, people in my congregation will be like, well, how do I do this? You know, like asking a technological question and I'll write the instructions out for them. They're like, hey, thanks. That was really helpful. I'm like, oh my gosh, I brought my corporate stuff into, into the church. <laughs> I worked with a lot of marketing teams and, you know, things like that. And, you know, we talked about ways, you know, I was able to serve on some teams to talk about the ways to, you know, reach out and bring in more, you know, draw more clients to our businesses and things like that. So mm-hmm. I'm really seeing how this can help tie into, into church work. Um, you know, yes. I remember Somebody told me once that church was a business. I was like, no, I don't want to hear that. You know, it really is. We just, we get the the luxury of also tying the spiritual piece into it as well. Yes. yes. And it's both. It's both and. There, you know, certainly, you know, anytime you have money coming in and, you know, and providing services and programming, I mean, there are certainly pieces of that that function like a business. And, and, 
you know, it takes care and stewardship to help that function uh, be healthy. And, um, and like you said, the luxury of also being able to swim in the sacred and that spiritual connection. And exactly. it's such a tremendous thing to, you know, to be able to bring a skill set from the corporate world into that, both from, you know, marketing, you know, because we have to, what is marketing, right? Letting people know what you're doing and what you're providing. And, and it's, you know, communications as a form of communication. And, you know, we do that at Unity World Headquarters, of course, I'm, I'm in that department and it, it takes, it, it takes um, knowing what's happening in the world it takes knowing who wants to hear what you're talking about and who wants to experience that and really getting that message to the right people so that again you know like i said at the beginning that the unity teachings are you know delivered to people in a way that really impacts lives yeah yeah i mean you know the church it's it's changing it's been changing for a while i think you know it's really evident now or evident now with covid you know and yes it's really evident you know and we we have to also, we have to move with the flow. You know, if we don't move with it, with these changes, we're going to, we're going to end up being left behind. You know, we've got to learn how to use technology and really leverage, leverage that to our benefit and our social media and think about the skill sets that we need to help us to move those things forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And where before it was like, well, you know, we might dabble in technology a little bit, maybe post a recording of the service or, you know, maybe, you know, go ahead and live stream it as well. But it's sort of the afterthought to everything that's happening in purpose, you know, in person. And now it's it is the the crux. It's at the core of what's happening. And um, there's, you know, I think we have to get really good at it because so many people have been doing it really well for a long time and, and people are um, inundated with media and, you know, in order to really be heard, we have to be really doing it well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We've we've got to, we got to start thinking outside the box a little bit. Yes. Yes. I love it. And so you are offering a workshop on this very topic. Yeah, my workshop is it's going to talk about, you know, the evolution of the church and, you know, the needs, the needs and the skills that we need to to really focus that outward versus the inward growth. And my workshop's going to talk about some of these things and, you know, about even how I can help churches to make sure that they're ready, you know, to make sure that they've got the skills that are ready to go, the uh, you know, technologies in place, um, you know, and really even knowing what it's all about you know, what is the modern church? So yeah, my workshop will, will delve into, into those things. So yeah, I definitely, you know, recommend anyone who's interested in talking about that or learning a little bit more about that to uh, contact me and I can make sure I get you into that workshop. I love it for sure. And I tagged you on my Facebook posts and you are on Facebook as Evan Wilkins. And so people can find you there. Is there a website? Uh, you know, that is that is still something I'm working in progress. I've got my okay. LLC started. So, yeah, check back with me. But for now, yeah, just uh, you can contact me on Facebook or, yeah. Wonderful. Well, that's a tremendous gift you're offering, offering to those who are working in ministry. And, and um, you know, who knows, maybe even people outside of Unity will, sh- will show up for that um, because it's certainly a conversation that, that everyone can benefit from. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether you're a small business, a church, it's definitely something we could all use. Yes. So let's, you know, we've got a few minutes left and I want to kind of bring it back to your spiritual journey. And, you know, like I said, the title of, you know, the worthy booklet is, you know, is about overcoming rejection um, to to find truth. And so I, I wonder, did you experience, you know, either outwardly rejection from religion or did you, you know, internalize that? rejection just from the messages that you were hearing you said you, you grew up baptist or oh, yeah. Baptist. Yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah that that was a really big struggle with me for a long time um, you know i grew up believing that you know the bible was this book without error and you know if there was something it said that i did that was going to cause me to go to this you know this place called hell i was mm-hmm. like oh, no you know i'm afraid i'm going to go there so there, there was a huge piece to that for a long time, especially probably more in my teen and early adult years. I really struggle with that a great deal. Um, I remember it was actually a Methodist minister that started to, to uh, talk to me a little bit differently about that. I remember meeting with him because he was very LGBT affirming. 
And this mm-hmm. was back in the nineties. And I remember he sits down and tells me, he's like, you know, you realize that the book was written by people or that the Bible was written by people. Right. I was like, yeah. And he's like, you know, that when people write stuff, sometimes things get lost in translation. And I was like, Oh, okay. I see, you know, uh-huh. but for a long time there was that struggle. And, you know, I, I, would like to say that it never happened, but there are times I feel like I was the victim of Bible abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's a big one. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a big one, you know, because that is, you know, the authoritative text and, and that, that little morsel of truth that that Methodist minister gave you that, you know, it was, it was written by people, mm-hmm. you know, the, the finger of God did not come down from the sky <laughs> to pen that, and, you know, certainly, you know, I believe it was written by people who were inspired, you know, by their own uh, divine mind. And and they were people writing for a people in a time, you know, and I think it's always important to give context to that. And, you know, they were not writing for, you know, 21st century you know, Western civilization. And, you know, and I don't think that we often spend enough time giving that full context. And I, and I don't say that in any way to diminish um, what is in scripture. I love the Bible, um, but it has taken some work, you know, to get, to get out from under the way that it has been used to oppress the queer community and women, you know, and people of color. And, you know, and that's unfortunate um, that, that that path can be so difficult, uh, because I think it really robs people of, of so much, of so much, um, spiritual nourishment that, that really is contained within the pages. Yeah. I remember, you know, even feeling within myself, you know, back in, you know, of course my early adult years, I, I was still, you know, still kind of adhering more to my Baptist teachings where I viewed God as something outside myself, but I would often think I would be like, you know, well, God, answers some of my prayers. So I don't understand how this deity could feel like I'm like this horrible mistake because it's still really active in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, this didn't coincide and it didn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the some of the people I knew that were in the LGBT community were some of the most devout people when it came to religion or spirituality. So it just wasn't measuring up to me. I was like, you know, there's, there's more to this than, than what, than this little piece that we're getting saying that, Oh, this, you know, these few Bible quotes say that it's wrong. I was like, no, there's, there's more to this. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's so much more to it. So much more. And it's, you know, it it can be just, just like the process that you described about stepping into your authentic self, you know, and how liberating that was and freeing that was, you know, it can be the same experience when um, we sort of lift off those layers of oppression from scripture, it can be very freeing to really meet the words on the page and meet the writers, you know, as they, as they were in their context. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a way to, to more deeply, in my opinion, to more deeply honor them and their writing is, you know, to, to dig a little deeper and understand, you know, what their world was when they were writing. And, and then we can lift out of, you know, ancient Israel, we can lift out meaning for our lives today in, in ways that we can, you know, because I mean, the truth is people haven't changed much in a couple thousand years. I mean, mm-hmm. The themes are, are very similar to what the themes that we deal with today, you know, especially this year in 2020, right? Plagues, um, <laughs> natural disaster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so much drama and, you know, and it, it really, you know, we can find comfort, we can find peace, we can meet God on the page without having to um, succumb to, um, you know, ancient cultures, I guess, is maybe a way to say that. Yeah, and it just all goes back to, you know, the, we're, as this part of this essence of God, you know, we're all love, you know, that to me, that's what it always goes back to, we're all love, none of us could be any less than that. Ah, say that again, none of us could be any less than that. Mm-hmm. Love, all love. That's uh, so true. And I, you know, and, and back to marketing, right? Like that's the message we need to be putting out there over and over and over again. And we do in our unity communities, you know, and I just don't think we can say it enough. We can't say it loud enough or often enough. Exactly. Yeah. Get that message out there. Get it out loud and clear. So how long have you been at Unity of Madison? I have been here, let's see, since uh, September 29th of last year. 
Ah, congratulations. So you're still in your first year about to wrap it up. Wow. And so about half of that time will have been spent, you know, navigating this pandemic. Yeah, you know, I think there needs to be a new class brought into <laughs> these schools, you know, how to minister during a pandemic. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah we, we need to get that on the curriculum. <laughs> that, right. <laughs> wow. And so are you meeting in person yet? We have. We just started about two weeks ago, I think now, um, you know, we we took our one service and we broke it down into two or we broke out in, out into two to make people okay. feel a little more comfortable. And mm-hmm. yeah, we, we've slowly but surely started getting some people back. Um, you know, it's each Sunday we see a few more people, but of course, you know, we were live streaming before the pandemic. So we just continue that. So yeah. there's, there's still that option. So people I think are feeling pretty, you know, they, they're just coming back when they're ready. So that's, and we're encouraging sure. people to, to do that and just do what feels best to them right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, wonderful. And now's the time, you know, to really dig into wisdom and to make those choices for ourselves of what, you know, according to our own unique physical condition. And, you know, I wonder if you, because it's, it's out there. I know the conversation is out there with our unity teachings about um, sort of putting on trial, I'll say our spirituality, uh, questioning faith. If we do things like wear masks or, or take precaution, quarantine or stay home and that it somehow negates our faith practice and which of course I don't buy into I you know I wear a seatbelt and Mm -hmm. I'll take ibuprofen when I'm sick I'll take vitamins and you know I do what I need to do to support my physical being because I I you know I'm a spiritual being of course but and I have a physical being that lives and operates in a physical world and um, I'm curious if that conversation has come up in your community or it has. I mean, you know, there's been a little bit, there was a little bit of debate with masks, mm-hmm. you know, you know, if we wear masks, are we saying that, you know, we don't have faith and, you know, so it's, it, it we kind of just have gone back. We're, we're like, you know, let's just follow CDC guidelines because, yeah. Hey, you know, we can't, <laughs> you know, you know, we can't necessarily, and I'm not saying that some people don't hold consciousness, but you know, we can't necessarily hold it for every single person. Let's right. let each person practice that as they feel called and ready to do. Yeah, You know, I think one of the things that we've really tried to place a lot of our focus on here in the community is, you know, what are we being called to do through this? You know, what is the, the growing opportunity? What, what is it? How can we expand through all of this? Maybe that's what it's telling us versus, you know, to wear a mask or not wear a mask. What is the universe? What's it calling us to be? You know, what we, we've really started to question, you know, what is it that's mine to do through this? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we're, tr- we're trying to place a lot of our focus through it and kind of not focus so much on masks, but it, it has come up. But so sure. far we, we've had pretty good luck with it. Everybody's been wearing them and, you know, we've been practicing good physical distancing at the church. And of course we have hand sanitizer everywhere. And yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. Well, and you know, my question is, how do you keep unity people from hugging? I mean, that's yeah, that's like so embedded in our culture. And we talk about embedded theology, but hugging is one of our tenets. You know, if if we if we were to list out sort of any kind of dogma of unity, it's you know, thou shalt hug upon yeah. me. <laughs> We've been practicing the distance hugs where we kind of look at each other and stick our arms out and act like we're hugging, you know, so it's it's kind of funny. We we have a little bit of fun with it, too, I think. Good. (laughs) I'm I'm glad to hear that because it is, you know, it's hard. It's just so hard right now to 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 navigate this for everybody. And I know so many families are you know, distant. I haven't been able to see my own family on the West Coast because we haven't been able to travel, you know, having to cancel other planned family, you know, trips and gatherings and, you know, holidays are passing, birthdays are passing and it's hard. And I know that we get a certain fatigue from that. Um, And so I love hearing that you're able to keep some joy and some humor in that, you know, because we, you know, how well we navigate this will determine how well we navigate this, you know, and how Mm -hmm. well you know, physically we come through to the other side. So, so I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing, sure. sharing that experience. So, so what's up for you? We have just a few minutes left. What, like, where, where do you see yourself in the work of ministry? And you, you're talking about starting this LLC and, and serving um, uh, those who are also doing spiritual leadership and ministry in terms of bringing those corporate skills and marketing and into the fold. Uh, what else do you have on the horizon? You know, it's just taking it day by day and just, you know, learning as I go. 
I'm really, really getting comfortable, you know, with my congregation and, you know, really just working together as a group with the congregation on, you know, just being able to serve our community of Madison, you know, and somebody, somebody asked me last night, we had a focus group meeting and they're like, well, are we talking about, you know, expanding out into the, you know, out into the entire country? I'm like, Hey, you know, that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't my goal right now, but if it happens, that would be great. I so, love it. Well, you said you you said that's like the key, right? Is to expand yeah. outward and connect outward. What what are the things and and it probably looks differently right now than it did, you know, four months ago, five months ago. But what are the things? How how is uh, Unity of Madison connecting with its community? Yeah, we've just got a lot of different things going on. I do a what I call a virtual lunch on Thursdays where we just get together on Zoom and eat lunch and just kind of have an open forum just to chat about different things. You know, I've started a uh, Tuesday spiritual 30-minute service at 11 o'clock where I'll usually read a prayer. And then I give people time to, you know, say their own affirmation or their own prayer or, you know, whatever comes to them at that time. And, um, you know, we've had a class uh, on Sundays right after the service. I call it Food for Spiritual Thought. And we are just mm. finishing uh, Reverend Linda Martillowitz's book, Divine Audacity. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And people, it's been really useful during this time to really talk about the 12 powers and yes, the timing was perfect with that. Um, We're about to take a break for that during the summer because I've learned people in Madison like to get out the summer and enjoy the sun while they can. So we'll resume that in the fall, but you know, and just different groups are having different zoom calls and book studies and things like that. So we've still been a very active community We're you know, even via zoom, it's been very active. So I've been very pleased to see that. That's wonderful. And you know, what a gift that technology is to us during this time that we can experience that connection through zoom and, you know, social media and all of the other ways that we can experience that. Um, Yeah, it's been, it's been, you know, I, I still think back, I should have bought stock in Zoom a long time ago. Right, right? Oh my goodness. So true. So, um, okay, that's our that's our music that we're done. So I just want to thank you, Evan, so much for sharing your story authentically and, and being on the show. And I know that you've blessed so many others now. And for those who listen in the future, you are, you are blessed by what has been shared today. And so until next week, tune in and tune up in spirit. Have a wonderful and safe holiday weekend. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.